0: From Hagerstown, Maryland, the Associated Builders and Contractors of Cumberland Valley bring you their weekly podcast. This week, we are talking to safety professionals from our members within ABC about how they're dealing with some of the new regulations for the COVID-19 outbreak. So, let's join in on the conversation. Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to the Associated Builders and Contractors of Cumberland Valley Safety Podcast. Uh, This week, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about kind of where we're at, any updates um, that are out there pertaining to COVID-19. It seems as though uh, restrictions are being lifted uh, weekly as we kind of move on and move through this. I know from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, things are slightly different. Um, we've started to notice in the Pennsylvania region um, that uh, certain areas and certain jurisdictions have really relinquished most all um, restrictions that were there. And we're seeing in Maryland that uh, some areas are are keeping uh, more stringent uh, restrictions. We're also hearing of some colleges in southern Maryland. Uh, community colleges that have decided to just stay closed uh, for in-person classes for the next 12 months. Um, uh, We know of one college uh, that has made that decision public, and uh, they will not be reopening until June of 2021. Um, So, you know, really the question is, you know, as far as pertaining to construction, what are you guys seeing out there, and uh, what are you encountering? How are things evolving um, Bill, if from a, a general contractor's side, what are you guys seeing at Brickville and Hellman?
1: Well, the, the bidding process and, and also the pricing out of, of current owners processes have changed a little bit depending on what the project entails. You know, just as an example, if it's a rehab of a structure, um, is it a functioning structure? You know, there you're looking at Definitely COVID preventative measures. If it's not an occupied structure, can we get ventilation through it where we can, you know, have positive ventilation in and out? Uh, I don't have to worry so much about the COVID situation as far as that goes. Uh, just the other aspects of what we've been normally doing, sanitizing, all that other kind of stuff. But it that, that changes the philosophy of bidding and pricing out projects, no doubt about that. It's something you got to look at a little further, dig deeper, so to
0: speak. Yep. It's interesting. You said something there. I've never really thought about what you said about ventilation. Um, and uh, I, I would assume, and I don't know that there's any, any studies out there or any science behind this, but I know when you're dealing with dust, um, you know, the more air changes uh, per hour that you can get in a certain area, you know, the, the less dust, the more healthy the environment. Um, and so I would I would guess that to be the same with COVID-19, Um, you know, the more air changes you can get, the more airflow you can get, the less likely you are to have a, a, for lack of better terms, an unhealthy environment. Um, But as well as that, when you start getting into building new buildings and things like that, um, it would be interesting to talk to the folks that are doing the estimating and doing the quotes today. Are we seeing any changes in buildings themselves? You know, if, if you're building a new Walmart, are they looking at ways to uh, get more air changes per hour and better ventilation and things like that to, you know, to cut down on this in the future? Um, That's kind of be an interesting um, study to find out if things are changing and evolving in, in the actual building process. Um, Have you heard of anybody talking about those types of things? Amos, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, there are some projects we're actually repricing for social distancing aspects of arrangements and offices, um, counter spaces, that type of thing. Absolutely. Um, and that's coming down to design. It has to do with the architectural aspects of the building. Yep. But yeah, that's that's another process that's, uh, that you're looking at, especially on design build, uh, building for the owner in this new age of COVID-19. <laughs> where we're trying to do the social distance thing at six feet or more and the air exchanges, ventilations, that type of thing, you know, because there's so many times in the past where systems are closed systems, where it's just going through a small filtration system instead of getting air, fresh air exchanges. I yep. think a lot of engineers are looking at the fresh air exchanges more and more now, even though in the long run, it's not as, Oh heat and and cooling efficient as most, but it's going to be a lot better for air quality for people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You got to weigh the odds, so to speak. Yeah. It's, well, it's fascinating. Uh, I mean, you think about a, a building, if you, if you start introducing fresh air in the middle of winter, now you have to heat that air and your heating costs go up and all of those things as well, but you might have a healthier building. Um, we could probably do a whole podcast on a segment of, uh, you know, what new design looks like today and, and what things are being, uh, thrown out there. Um, interesting, uh, Donnie, what about you guys at digging and rigging? Um, what, what, are you, what are you seeing out there? What are you experiencing, um, on job sites and as far as the planning procedures of getting ready for, uh, and, and quoting and bidding on jobs?
2: Uh, There really hasn't been a whole lot of change uh, for us. As you know, most of our jobs take place outside. Um, Some of the jobs are requesting COVID forms, um, basically just, you know, the health form saying whether you've been in contact with anybody, course temperature checks. Um, So there's not a whole lot with our bidding process. Usually they'll let us know at that point in time, you know, whether there's going to be a COVID form that needs to be filled out or temperature checked and everything like that. Obviously yeah, a little different than Bill um, because most of our stuff like I say is, is outdoors with the cranes. Um, but pretty much it really hasn't changed a whole lot for us.
0: Okay, interesting. Um, what about, uh, you know, from, or, well I guess to both of you, or Are either one of your companies, and I should probably remember this, but are either one of your individual companies requiring temperature checks um, from your employees, um, or uh, are you encountering? I know digging and rigging, you've been on a few job sites that have, have required it, but are you guys actually doing that with your employees or not?
2: We actually have a COVID-19 form that uh, prior to starting work every day, um, you have to take your temperature and complete the form and submit it to our HR department. Um, That way there, if there's something that is marked that is questionable, the HR uh, will handle it at that time. Um, So yes, we are requiring all employees uh, to complete the COVID-19 form as well as the the temperature check.
0: Okay, Uh, what about Brickville and Hellman? Well, on some projects we're
1: requiring it, more in hospital situations, and others were not. Uh, I think the, the real key to the whole thing, and what we're finding out, is the the aspect of if you're not feeling well, don't come in. And for a construction worker to not come in takes a whole lot from not feeling well. <laughs> but, yep. But uh, that seems that seems to be the general gist. So you know, when I talk to everybody, it's like you know you got to understand that this is different than what we've been dealing with before. And a lot of times that temperature is not showing anything. You know, uh, many many times I'm taking temperatures of folks at the hospital, and it's coming up 96.5, 97.2. I mean, it's you're way below what normally you find. I'm very rarely getting anything at 98.6 even.
0: (laughs) Well, interestingly, I just heard a story this morning from a colleague of mine. Um, They were uh, one of their employees, uh, and this was an office employee, but they had, uh, had texted and said, Hey, I'm going to be running a little bit late this morning. I got to swing by and uh, get some cough drops, um, on my way in. And, uh, you know, there was a whole conversation that ensued then after that. Um, whereas, you know, uh, six months ago, if somebody said they needed cough drops, it wouldn't have been a big deal. And, uh, you know, this, uh, uh, manager made a decision then to, uh, you know, to, to tell that person to just go ahead and stay home for a few days until they, you know, were sure that uh, that the uh, uh, cough was was gone. And on the on the flip side of that, um, I just heard a firsthand account of this. I have a, a friends; their son is in the navy, and uh, he came home, and uh, he perfectly healthy, felt completely fine, but he, he was having trouble smelling. And um, uh, this is the first person, you know, that I've encountered that, that you know, kind of went through this scenario, but no temperature, no cough, no symptoms other than he was having trouble smelling. And then about the third day, um, he was complaining that, you know, he, he, food didn't taste right. And uh, anyhow, they put the pieces together and said, you know, well, the COVID-19 sometimes, you know, uh, you lose your sense of smell and taste. Uh, he went to the doctor, was tested, and did test positive, but he has yet to ever show a symptom. Um, so uh, my point to that and kind of, you know, talking to everybody that's listening, one of the questions that maybe should be on the COVID-19 forms is, uh, uh, you know, or have you had any trouble smelling or tasting, um, you know, in the, in the past week or, or what have you? Um, and that is not on all of the forms. I was kind of curious about it, was looking around. It is on a few that are out there um, you know, in the public domain, but it's not on all of them. And uh, you know, a, a good, healthy person may not show actual symptoms, and they might have some you know, uh, sideline things, but they're not gonna have a temperature, not gonna have a cough, they just might lose their sense of smell and sense of taste, which I thought was interesting. Um, morning, uh, Jason, um, we're, we're, we're talking about uh, kind of a COVID-19 update. Um, where we are in our individual companies, and uh, my my question was uh, you know, are any of your individual companies utilizing and doing temperature checks on a daily basis? Uh, what about Warner?
3: Uh, we are. We've got a service division that uh, does test their guys every morning uh, because they're going into people's houses. Um, so just for, our knowledge and then for the comfort of the homeowner as well customer Uh, we also do have some jobs actually one is starting today uh, that is requiring all their subs to do checks of their manpower prior to starting work every day so um, we also have a prefab shop that's doing it as well uh, because of all the divisions they're the ones with the most people we try to keep everybody separated uh, but you know there there are a lot of people passing throughout the day, things like that. So we do them there as well.
0: Got it. Um, and, uh, you know, this is the, the busy season for, uh, you know, for construction. And uh, I, it has hit me. Um, we are now down one staff member at ABC. Our, uh, our accountant uh, and bookkeeper uh, has moved on to another job and uh through that process uh, with contemplating you know what do we do do we hire somebody do we not and all of those types of things but the the point is i started to think about it how do you train somebody um you know in in today's day and age when we're being encouraged to have people work remotely and and to do those things and we're limiting access to the office um and, and the same thing applies you know my question to you guys in the construction world out there on the job site as well as in the offices, Um, but more so on the job sites. You're busy. You may be needing manpower. You might be looking at hiring people. How are you handling the training aspect of being right in the smack dab in the middle of our busy season, but needing to keep social distancing and do those things? Any insight on how you bring folks onto the job site, new people, and properly train them and have them be uh, productive members of your workforce, but still adhering to the rules and regulations that we have in place. Um, I'll start with Jason on that one.
3: We are still doing training. Uh, In fact, I just had a class uh, Thursday, but the class sizes are much smaller. So there are more classes. Um, We try to keep just one person per table. And uh, as much as we can do hands-on wise, we either go outside or out into the warehouse and You keep spaced out for more of the practical part of it Uh, but for the classroom part it's just much smaller classes and just more we uh, have them more often
0: okay Uh, what about digging and rigging and you guys have any experience with bringing new folks on during this
2: we do and
0: uh, we're doing
2: much the same as what Jason said uh, limiting the class number um, you know where before You can teach up to 10 Um, for one instructor. We back that down um, to a much lower number um, to allow for proper distancing and everything like that. And then, again, um, outside for the the hands-on training and everything like that. Okay. We're also using using our... um, The insurance company we have has some great online training, um, that we can actually send to the employees that have, uh, quizzes that go with them and everything like that. So we're using those as well. Um, just as refresher stuff, you know, as we have to refresh fall protection and everything like that. So we are, we are using that as well, um, as a training aid.
0: Okay. Um, Bill, what about Breckville and Hellman? I have not done any
1: training since this happened. Um, I just got information from the Heart Association on their end of what they think. And uh, they're allowing us to start training for CPR again, but under very limited circumstances, very controlled circumstances. So it's, um, this point it's it's not conducive to doing a class for me. Uh, I can do one-on-one stuff, and it's just seems we had, it's,
0: it's going to be going
1: one-on-one for now.
0: Okay. And yeah, actually the first aid CPR, that was something that uh, we're about due to, to put on a class as well. And uh, I was contemplating, you know, how in the world do you do that? You basically need to limit the size of the class to the number of dummies that you have. Um, and, and please don't misconstrue that comment. Um, but uh, uh you know, typically, you know, where they would wipe down, uh, you know, they might share, you know, th- three or four people might share one dummy. Um, now, you know, I was thinking about that. You almost have to limit your class number to the number of dummies you have um, and make sure that you're cleaning up and, and, you know, doing all the proper sanitizing as well. But, um, you know, that really changes, um, you know, how you would do that. And you can have the one-way face mask and all of those things, but you're still touching it. Um, so, anyhow, uh, I, I, we have not made a decision on what we're going to do there yet, um, but that one in particular will be a little bit tough. Okay, well, does anybody have any, anything else to add on, on COVID-19 uh, updates and procedures before we move on?
1: Yeah, I have one little comment here for folks. The, the temperature check isn't always a great way to do it. But more and more this is coming to light is uh, taking pe- people's pulse oxygen level. And it's what they call a pulse oximeter. Okay. It's a tool you stick on somebody's finger and it tells you how much oxygen concentration they're going through their body within milliseconds. And typically a, a normal person is 90 and above. And what they're finding out, even in asymptomatic patients, is their oxygen level is below 90 as far as the exchange rate. They might not feel bad, but uh, it's showing in their their oxygen levels. Just to give you an idea, that's something they've been doing lately in the research aspect of it. (laughs) And The reason why I'm saying that is my wife in the summertime works for the YMCA, and she's going to start doing temperature checks. So I got her a pulse oximeter to use along with the temperature check, (laughs) Just just to back it up.
3: We have a pulse ox also, Bill. And yeah, that works super easy. Um, and we, we just keep some um, alcohol, little towelettes in there. It's very easy to clean up and sterilize with it.
0: Absolutely, yep. Well, that's a, a great point for everybody. Uh, and if you just bought one uh, or you know, uh, what price range are we looking at to get something like that for the people that are listening? Um, under thirty-five dollars. Okay,
1: yeah.
0: yeah, that's very reasonable. Um, and, and a very good way to maybe check. Um, I would guess. Um, and, and I'm. I, we've talked about this a couple of times. Um, but uh, is there any difference in that uh, reading depending on how active the person has been? What I'm getting at is, um, you want to test the people as they're coming to work each day. Um is that something that you can also test throughout the day or would there be different levels um, depending on how active they are at that moment in time? I mean, it can change,
1: but I don't, I don't, think we're doing work that's so strenuous that it's going to change that a whole lot, unless you have underlying circumstances.
0: Thanks for joining us today for the podcast from the Associated Builders and Contractors of Cumberland Valley. If you'd like more information about us, please check our website, at abccvc.org. Until next time, thanks.